Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. It's the 1st of February. I know tomorrow is Groundhog Day, Jim, but it might seem like Groundhog Day today because once again, we have three good martinis. We just did that uh, not that long ago, late last week, I think, and we have three good martinis today. Now, some of it is uh, evaluating the Biden administration and the fact that they're getting some scrutiny, but nonetheless, that's good news because usually the uh, press is pretty compliant with a left uh a leaning administration, uh, regardless of the competence of that administration. But the media, to its credit, uh, called them out pretty extensively uh, when it came time for the debacle uh, in Afghanistan and the chaotic withdrawal. In fact, that's the last time I think you and I talked about State Department spokesman Ned Price, Jim, and uh, he's back. So it's not a good martini for Ned Price, but it is for the rest of us. And it is for Associated Press reporter Matt Lee, who asks good questions and he doesn't take non-answers. Uh, he, he follows up, and so it makes him one of the more fun reporters to watch, uh, interrogates uh, State Department officials over time. But uh, here's an extended clip. Yesterday, Ned Price was crowing about the fact that the U.S. once again uh, made the case at the United Nations and the United Nations Security Council about uh, how Russia needs to be prevented from uh, invading Ukraine. And so Matt Lee had a very simple question. Hey, did that that meeting actually accomplish anything? And Ned Price's spin machine was going and uh, uh, Matt Lee not having any of it. When you say that the Security Council takes the lead in determining the existence of a threat to international peace and security, um, did the Security Council actually do anything? Matt, uh, this was not about uh, a resolution. It was not about a vote. Uh, this was about an exposition of the facts. Have there been expositions after expositions after expositions Matt, of this going we, back? We are, we are months not. Now. We are not you, you, you yourself get up here every single day and talk about, or whenever you get up here, I'm going to say, I mean, just when, when you're briefing, you get up here and you talk about the G7, you talk about the EU, you talk about NATO, you talk about, you know, and. Any, any number of international fora sure. that where this stuff has actually come out and been agreed on. Matt, we are not going to say, apologize for engaging in robust okay. diplomacy, for but, bringing this to every conceivable fora when you say and appropriate fora, okay, uh, and for continuing to be transparent with our concerns. Okay, if, if the criticism is that we are engaging too robustly in diplomacy, that we're being too transparent, that we're being too consistent in what we're saying, I, that is criticism that, that we will accept okay. if that's a criticism you want to lodge. Well, I'm not criticizing at all. I'm just curious as to when you say the world is united in opposing Russian aggression, uh, but... And, and and you say that because of what happened in the Security Council today, then that's just flat wrong because the world isn't united. There were two members of the council that veto uh, wielding members of the council that didn't even want to have this meeting in the first place. Matt Lee is where Ned Price's talking points go to die, Jim. So, uh, you know, it's it's good to make the case. Uh, you need to make the case if you think it's really important for the for the United Nations to act. But, of course, the United Nations is good at posturing more than it is at actually doing stuff. And it appears uh, that uh, when it comes to actually accomplishing anything, uh, it's still lacking. And the, the Biden administration is struggling to explain the difference. Greg, I will begin with an uncharacteristic note of sympathy for Ned Price in the sense that he's got one of the toughest jobs in Washington. He's got to go out there, not every day, as Lee points out, but, you know, several times a week 
and act like the Biden foreign policy is working. And he's got to try to convince people that the Biden foreign policy war is working. And maybe you can point to a success here or a success there. But by, you know, Biden shows up for the summits and he doesn't fight with them quite the way Trump does. And everybody, you know, smiles for the, the cameras and it all seems to go nicely. But as Lee puts his finger on it, not much seems to happen. And when Ned Price says, you know, the world is united against Russia invading Ukraine, they're united that they don't want to see it happen other than Russia and China. They're not united on what they're willing to do about it. And they're not united on what they're willing to do to deter it. And that is why we are in the situation we're in. And so it really just feels like spinning the wheels. You know, you, I, I don't want to quote Team America World Police, but basically, you know, Hans Blix, not Hans Bricks, if you remember the dialogue, uh, <laughs> says, you know, if you don't stop doing this about the North Korean nuclear program, we will send you another letter <laughs> telling you to stop it. And, you know, uh, Kim Jong Un or is it Kim Jong Il? It's Kim Jong Il at that point. Kim Jong Il, yes, kind of scoffs and laughs, and eventually, poor little Hans Bricks puppet gets eaten by a little shark. Um, but the just being that, in the end, the international institutions are not really all that effective at deterring aggressive authoritarian states who want to make territorial advances. I, I don't begrudge the Biden administration for trying, but I do think they had unrealistic, you know, expectations of what it was going to do, and every day. You know, Ned Price has got to go out there and polish a turd and kind of act like, oh, this is this is a big deal. The U.N. is, you know, strongly opposing. Well, you know, what's it going to do? Right? You know, Vladimir Putin doesn't fear international condemnation. Otherwise, he wouldn't be killing people with polonium. Right. And then, you know, he's done this in Georgia. He did this in Crimea. The, the idea that, oh, you know, international condemnation. Come on. So good for Matt Lee for calling this out. And I, I think this is a further reflection. You know, this is the, the downside of this good martini that the Biden administration walked into the job of the presidency in the White House and thought the job was going to be easy, thought that all they have to do is not be Donald Trump. And lo and behold, the job is a whole lot harder than it looks on the campaign trail. Sure is. Now, Jim, didn't you just say a moment ago that the point of the U.N. is to make sure that authoritarian regimes uh, do not succeed in aggressive territorial expansion? Isn't that their whole job, the whole reason they were created? I mean, that and really nice cocktail parties. <laughs> oh, also so that people from everywhere in the world can live in New York City and not have to pay parking tickets. <laughs> we all know their real job is to uh, harass Israel and to coddle uh, tyrannical regimes. So uh, on that note, they're they're doing pretty well, I guess. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on to uh, talk about a couple other things quickly. Uh, first of all, if you notice, Jim's a slightly under the weather, uh, but he does not have COVID. So I know your sympathy factor. Jim and I were just talking about this kind of cratered. You were initially concerned, and now that it's not COVID, nobody seems to care anymore, right, Jim? I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, okay, I'm counting my blessings. It's good, you know, and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm back, so I'm boosted. And it seems like everybody else has gotten it. And you know, if you get it and it's not that bad, you allegedly get super immunity. And I think you get superpowers. I think that's one of the things that I read online. And uh, no, it's not happening for me. I took an instant test this morning. It's just a winter cold. Boring. <laughs> well, whether it's a, a COVID case or whether it's a, a normal winter cold, best way to deal with it, get enough rest, uh, have some liquids, eat well. But when it comes to that rest... Get it with my pillow products. Have a my pillow. Have your Giza Dream Sheets. Uh, when you take one of those nice warm showers, have the towels. Walk around in the slippers. And right now, you can get a phenomenal deal 
on the Giza Dream Sheets, which I absolutely love. By far our favorite set of sheets. Uh, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else ever again once you've tried these things. And for a limited time, you can get 60% off any set of the Giza Dream Sheets with a price as low as $39.99. But to do that, you have to use our code Martini at MyPillow.com. The Giza Dream Sheets are made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They have a sateen weave, which gives a luxurious finish. These sheets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Now, these sheets come with a four-inch hem on flat sheet pillowcases, and each fitted sheet comes with a fully enclosed elastic hem with deep pockets. Right now, save 60% on the Giza Dream Sheets flash sale. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Martini at checkout. Or use that code when you call 800-874-0104 to get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $39.99. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. These will be gone in a flash. I mean, a deal like this, they're not going to last long. So head to MyPillow.com, promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, let's move on to our second piece of uh, good news, our second good martini. And it's a double shot when it comes to COVID. Uh, we've hit our peak with the uh, Omicron variant, and it is on its way down. The drop in hospitalizations, the drop in case numbers, quite precipitous. It's the same thing we saw in South Africa, and we've seen in other uh, places uh, in the country and around the world that have seen this. It's a really intense rise, and then a uh, pretty steep drop-off as well. Uh, so hopefully we're on our way out with this particular variant. Uh, we're also uh, seeing uh, polling showing that 70% of Americans said yes to the following question. Do you tend to agree or disagree with the following statement? Is it time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives? 70% say yes. 28% no. I'm guessing different people will have different ideas about what getting back to normal is. I think pre-lockdown, other people may not. But uh, Jim, uh, people are coming to the fact that uh, we're going to have to just deal with this going forward. And uh, lockdowns and, uh, and mandates and that sort of thing are not the path forward. Just moving on is probably going to be the best policy here. Greg, today in the morning, Joel, I tried to, okay, what's the, what's the status of the Omicron wave? Because everybody said, well, this is a really, really contagious variant, which means that the cases are going to increase really fast. But after everybody gets it, the virus has nowhere else to go and the virus will, the cases will decline really, really fast. And you probably heard a lot of dire uh, coverage in late December and January and cases were increasing really, really fast. The average daily number of new cases of COVID-19 reported nationwide declined 42% in the past two weeks. Now, have you heard about that as much as you heard about the, the increase? I, I think, you know, not nearly as much. It is worth noting the daily rate of deaths is up 30%. Deaths are a lagging indicator. So basically everybody who caught it, you know, a couple of weeks ago is unfortunately succumbing. Those that, you know, that those that's what that figure indicates to us. And the other thing I just thought was fascinating is that the, you know, they, they do genomic testing. When they, you know, somebody tests positive, they, uh, at, a, at a you know hospital or doctor's office or something like that, they uh, they then test to see all right what kind of variant is this right now. Greg, actually, as of January twenty second, Greg, 
99.9% of all COVID-19 cases in the United States where the variant was genomically identified was Omicron. Delta is now down to one-tenth of 1%. Delta is effectively gone. Um, so three fascinating things. One indicate that, okay, so cases are going down. They're going to expect them to go down. Unfortunately, the Omicron variant has probably reached everyone who is vulnerable to it, but we should expect these numbers to go down. And we should, particularly as you know, weather gets warmer, we should be beyond this. We ever between the sheer number of people who got Omicron. I mean, over the weekend, I noted that uh, we've had about 75 million total cases of uh, COVID-19 in the country. Of those who report them, lots of people test positive on a home test and don't necessarily tell their doctor or the uh, medical, you know, local health officials. So it's an undercount. But you know, if you if you go by the official number, 75 million cases, 25 million of them are from early December. I think December 3rd was the date I, I was looking at. So you look at that, you're like, wow, one third of all of our cases have been in the last two months. That's how contagious Omicron is. It's super duper contagious. But guess what? Everybody's got it, or seemingly everybody's got it, except me. And thus, it's got no more places to jump to. It's got no more new people to infect. The cases are going down, and they're going to continue to go down. I think this aligns well with that poll we saw from Monmouth uh, polling that 70% of the people recognize, okay, we are not two weeks away from flattening the curve. We are not, you know, just one more month of masking is going to change this. Just, oh, we got to close the schools. No, no. This virus is now endemic. And the good news is it's much less threatening as we saw in the Omicron numbers. But the problem is, is that, you know, there's no point in nagging someone about is that a z95 or is that a z96 mask or something like that there's no point in doing any of this stuff we have now reached the point where everybody's either got it or they're vaccinated or they're boosted or some combination of all those and if they haven't and they've chosen not to they've accepted the risks and it just kind of feels like the country is ready to move on my boss rich lowry has a fascinating uh, uh, column in which he basically argues that it would make a lot of sense for biden to embrace the okay it's time to go back to normal pre-pandemic life but he can't because it looks like in most of these polling, the Democratic Party is split down the middle on whether that is the wise direction to head it. Not surprising. I was just going to ask, is the 28 percent teachers union officials and uh, people who run the local schools in northern Virginia and, and the greater D.C. area, plus, you know, New York and uh, Chicago and, and, and L.A. as well. But uh, it, it seems like the people who actually tend to make these decisions that affect a lot of lives are the last people to understand what's exactly happening here and are, are likely to accept the fact that that we just do need to get back to reality but uh anyway hopefully they'll see the light soon jim because a lot of people are getting pretty mad at them let's move on to our final good martini now jim and this one is uh, going to be pretty short and sweet uh, we basically knew this back in december uh when joe manchin went on fox news sunday at that point hosted by Brett Baer and said, yeah, I just can't get on with Build Back Better. I'm a no. Um, therefore, the Democrats couldn't get to 50. Kamala Harris couldn't break the tie. Uh, the progressives lit their hair on fire. Uh, the White House uh, sent out this message trashing Manchin for allegedly not keeping his word. You know, the best way to win back somebody who's decided not to support your legislation. And so, of course, just like, you know, have you changed your mind on the filibuster? Uh, the question for Joe Manchin every day when he walks the halls of Congress is, Hey, uh, any progress on uh, Build Back Better? And, of course, it's Manu Raju of CNN who keeps asking the question, which he's uh, perfectly entitled to do. But his tweet today, just after noon, was Senator Joe Manchin asked about Build Back Better, said, What Build Back Better bill? I don't know what you guys are talking about. Raju says, I asked him if he's had any talks on the matter since December. Quote, No, 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 no. It's dead. So, Jim, we'll see if they try to pick off certain parts of it and 
and try to pass it piecemeal. But, uh, you know, uh, a year ago, we probably would have said, there's probably some sort of mansion wiggle room there. But given how he's actually stayed strong on the filibuster and on uh, the larger Build Back Better bill, as Biden has termed it, uh, I think it's safe to say that at least for this Congress, it's dead. Greg, this actually has just been handed to me. Much like Francisco Franco, Build Back Better is still dead. We will keep you posted at the Three Martini Lunch if there are any cha- uh, changes to this. Look, you know, I, I guess I should give Manu Raju credit for not jumping out of the bushes as, uh, uh, or I guess out of the dock, climbing out from under the dock as uh, <laughs> Manchin comes in from his houseboat. But uh, look, nothing's changed. There's really no indication of this. And even the administration looks like it's kind of, you know, shifting on to other uh, important issues like the Supreme Court nomination and things like that. So look, you know, until these circumstances surrounding this bill change i'm not sure it does any good to keep going back to joe manchin and saying okay what's all right have you changed your mind yet have you changed your mind yet have you changed your mind yet you know he's not going to and he's extremely unlikely to do so between now and election day yeah i think that's exactly right so we'll see i mean you got the arizona democrats censuring kirsten cinema you got the other democrats uh you know trashing joe manchin bernie sanders kind of leading the pack on that and they're going to need all of them on a Supreme Court nominee here and some other legislation I'm sure that they'd like to get done. So, you know, considering them pariahs, that might be another good martini. I don't know if that'll uh, deter them from supporting things they would otherwise like to do because they're being treated like outcasts in their own party. But, hey, if it does, you know, uh, we'll celebrate that every day of the week. So, uh Jim? And we may end up doing that, Greg. <laughs> yeah, we might. So uh, get some chicken noodle soup, uh, take a nice nap, and uh, hopefully you'll be in uh, fight and trim tomorrow. See you then. Napping? <laughs> Greg, I'm way ahead of you on that. <laughs> See you tomorrow, Greg. See ya. Jim, Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and please join us on Wednesday for the next three martini lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.